It's Cofield and Company on the road. Right now, you got to do that sometimes. Yeah. Got to hustle. As I just waste 10 more seconds. No. No. <laughs> there should be requirements to buy these things. Pay attention, young man. Okay. There's a method to the madness. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Today it's Double Road. I am in Fresno at the uh, Bulldogs Arena getting ready for UNLV and Fresno State. That's a 7.30 tip right here on ESPN Las Vegas. And Adam is at our official home for the uh, rest of the hockey season. Best place to view all of the hockey down the stretch here is Tom Zerman inside New York, New York Hotel and Casino. Today you can get down there. Adam and Greg Salerno from Comp. We'll be there up until uh, 8 o'clock. Adam won't be, but Greg will be there between 6 o'clock. And you can register to win some free BGK tickets for a future game, for a future game. And definitely get down there and try their signature Red Bull Party Starter, double dose of the uh, Urban Margarita, Hibiscus Bomb, and then a full can of the Red Bull Red Edition. I have not tried that, but uh, make sure you get down there anytime you can, but especially when we're down there getting ready uh, to watch another hockey game tonight. At Tom's Urban inside New York, New York Hotel and Casino. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Adam, cool events going on all over the place, including the Lady Rebels, who are starting to get a lot more attention now that they've gotten off to this tremendous start. Local Lindy LaRock is back for her second season. Tonight, they go for win number 11 in a row against Fresno State. They took out Fresno State. Here in Fresno, they will try to sweep Fresno and the Cavender Twins. Yeah, you can't you can't lose a, a winning streak to TikTok stars. Well, they're not just any TikTok stars. They're not some clowns who are averaging two points a game. They're both very good. They're yeah, and they you know for those that don't understand the reference or get it, uh, the Cavender Twins multi million dollar NIL deals. On Fresno State women's basketball team, uh, but you're right. Haley is a very. Good, they're both good players. Haley's really good. Um, they are. They are impressive players, and uh, have impressive bank accounts to go with it. They are what the NIL NIL deals were all about. Yep. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, the Gonzalez, the Gonzalez twins at UNLV oh kind of gave God. up playing because they couldn't oh my God. do what the Cavender twins are doing right now, um, and they wanted to go start making a living. And, and now the Cavender twins can do, it, which is very cool for them. I, I think yep. it's. A, I, I applaud it. I think it's awesome that they're able to take advantage and, and market themselves at this point. But, yeah, I think they probably get a, a lot of trash talk about it on the court, and I hope the Lady Rebels trash talk a lot when they're playing them in this game. Can you imagine what the Gonzalez twins would have made if this was in oh. place like five years ago? Nuts. Nuts. And not, not just, like you said, not just what they would have made, what they lost out on, which which is a lot of money. Yeah. They, lost out, they had to give up their careers because they wanted to make money and they couldn't do it while they were still playing. So they had to give up their final year of, of basketball, which which sucks for them, uh, sucks for the program as well. Uh, but now you're able to do it, so I, I think it's a very cool thing. I'm, I'm not mocking on that part of it, uh, but yeah, I'm sure that there is a lot of uh, a lot of talk from the other teams when they're playing against them. Number four, I'm going to give you a statement that's going to very much sound like a fan take on college basketball, and I know you hate this. The Rebels are playing at Fresno. Will they get any calls tonight? Now, I'm going to explain. So, they're at Boise. Boise's a big physical team. Boise, free throw attempts, 29. 
The Rebels had seven. All by Bryce Hamilton. Now, a lot of times, Adam, the foul split doesn't just come down to, you know, we have this many, they have this many. What's going on here with the differential? It's the way the game is played. Sure. If one team attacks, if one team pumps and goes a lot, you're going to get fouls. If one team is just bombing from the three, you're not going to get as many fouls called. But here's what I'm seeing around college basketball, and I understand my sample is limited, but I watch a decent amount of games in person and on TV. I think the officials in large part, again, have lost control of the block and charge split. They're and just I, I think part of it is they're also not fresh. They're at games, and I don't think they're at their best. Um, I forgot the broadcast the other night. Oh, it was uh, Rox Bernstein was calling a game, Washington State, and I'm now blanking on who they're playing, but they made reference to Everyday Dave, which if an official has a nickname, <laughs> there's something wrong. Yeah. That's Dave Hall, who we see seemingly – like, if he could do triple headers in a day and fly everywhere, he would do three games in a day. The every day is he does games every day. That's not a good thing for keeping officials fresh. I saw BJ Rains, who uh, he's up on Twitter, who covers Boise, said uh, John Higgins, who was the lead official in Boise last night, is officiating West Virginia at Kansas State tonight. This is his sixth straight day of officiating a game. Corvallis to Pullman to Logan to L.A. to Boise to Manhattan, Kansas. That's too much. That's Way that's not much. a productive environment at all. Um, and I'm not blaming those guys, you know, for not taking a day off because they want to make all the money they can. But this this is not optimal. No. And it's on, you know, listen, they're going to take every assignment they can for the most part. And um, it's on, I think, on the leagues, on on teams to call it out. I think it's, it's in, incumbent upon college basketball to start to fix it because it's not a hundred percent of why there's a problem with college basketball and the officials. I do think officials are, listen, I think officials are ruining every sport um, just from incompetence, but in college basketball, it is particularly egregious at times. Uh, you mentioned the block charge rule, which is at this point, they're just guessing. Like they just guess. They don't know. Uh, maybe you start calling with, with video assistance. Maybe you blow the whistle and say, here's contact. And then you go, look, if it's going to be a block charge, I don't know. I've oh god, had- we, you and you and I just to get it right, we would love it. And I don't give a rat's ass. I'll sit there for four hours watching of a course. basketball game as a review block charge, which again I don't think can be done. Um, and I understand they're they're encouraged in some ways to call offensive fouls, but it is it is out of is out of control. And the other thing is in this league, there are several offenders on rosters around the Mountain West Conference. If you're a referee, and listen, I, I know uh, you know guys like Shaq or LeBron get officiated a little bit differently, and I mean actually it's negative sometimes, like because they're they you know Shaq was so gigantic, and LeBron is currently gigantic. Not that Shaq's shrunk down, but you could you really could bang those guys around a lot more, right? And they would take a lot more contact. You've got a group of players in this league who are 230 to 260 pounds, and somehow they're drawing charges left and right. They're they're flying around the court. And the other night, I'm watching Abu Kijab, who is 6'5 and 230 pounds. He's built like a brick, you know what house. And he drew a foul on a he, – he was playing defense. He drew a foul 18 feet from the basket on Bryce Hamilton, just dribbling across the circle. I'm like, what is going on here? And then he did head throws, I think, three different times. He did a head throw to get the key foul called on Royce Ham. And then even worse than that, David Roddy is 260 pounds for Colorado State. And he, he goes flying all the time. I mean, come on, guys. 
Well, and then, and, and, here's, and I got to tell you, the other thing, the flip side of this is I'll also, and it's a fine line, I'll put a little blame on the Rebels. I almost feel like they need to start playing the game. Like you have to teach your players, and there's a risk on defense because you could give up an easy basket. Sure. But like a, a great example, Bryce Hamilton is, I think he's averaging 5.1 free throws a game. He's uh, overall averaging, what, about 24.5 in conference and like, you know, 22.5 overall. Again, Bryce is 51st in the country in FTAs. He probably should be drawing more fouls, and he probably should be going, um, you know, and pulling the old, if people remember uh, conference basketball, uh, you know, whatever, 10 years ago. Jamal Franklin from San Diego State was friggin' brilliant with that throw. Yeah, so I, I've I've proposed two things, I think, on the show at least five years ago. Uh, one, if you, if you throw your head while you're dribbling, even if it's a foul, it's not a foul. <laughs> there can't be a foul if you yeah. throw your head. Because... Sure. Uh, no contact has ever caused a dribbler's head to fly back backward. Nope, never. And never. I also said, eliminate the charge. There's no such thing as a charge. Now, if you want to stand in the way of the of the shooter and the, the guy driving to the rim, you can stand in his way, yeah. and you can all fall to the ground, and he can't score because he runs into you, but it's not a charge. It's just a no I call. It. I love it. Which I think would fix a lot of this. Adam and I grew up on the streets. Playground ball. There ain't no charges, brother. Number three. I made that up about both of us. I, I wouldn't call it the streets. Probably your your streets were a little meaner than mine. I mean, I I definitely went to went to Philly to play a lot of games on the streets with my brother, and believe me, I I would call charges and it would get ugly. <laughs> so. Oh, I know you would. That's that's why that was a total lie because you you call everything. You're you're the official. Well, if, it's still, if it's a call now, then it's a call. But like you know, don't. And that, that's also hey, listen. That's and that's somebody who one of my weapons as a defender is to take a charge because you know that you can't actually move fast enough and quick enough to to defend so charge is a rule that you have to take advantage of that's why i always would call travels too because if you know you can play somebody's third step and i'm going to get to where your third step is and if you take one more it's, it's a travel and you have to call it because i defended to your third step you can't take a fourth step there he is that's in the middle, in the middle of a game at a park this he's explaining oh this. yeah for sure Oh, Absolutely. I completely lied. But Adam I'm, was all about all, calling charges. But I'm still all, hey, get, if you get rid of the rule, then that changes how you defend. But I think that would help. Number three. Reports out today, Adam, that another organization was spying on their cheerleaders. It's the legendary cowboy cheerleaders who were violated by some jabroni front office guy under Jerry Jones and Steve Jones. They paid out a settlement of $2.4 million, and now we just found out today that this had happened. I, I, you know, again, I know Raj has paid, Goodell has paid like 35 to $45 million, but he, he's, he's got to wake up some days and he's like, well, now you? Like, I got to manage this? You idiots. And you just you wonder how prevalent this is. We had Lisa Guerrero on, you know, star of a bunch of, you know, different TV, uh, entertainment, and news programs over the years and she was a Rams cheerleader and it's just you know it just got on for so long here it's it's gross and what this guy's alleged to have done I mean at one point not only was he he was like sneaking around the corner access to the locker room and videoing the cheerleaders yeah. he also tried to get freaking upskirt shots of Jerry Jones daughter who works in the organization now she was not part of the suit but the cheerleaders I think the claimant's got like $400,000 a piece. But what does Raj do? And then in turn, what does Raj do about Snyder and the commander's football team? 
I don't know. I mean, he did make it clear uh, at his press conference last week that the owners do have a route to get rid of any owners they don't want around. Uh, they didn't happen Jerry, to Jerry, Jerry Jones. Jones and Snyder are gone, so is Ross. Well, it ain't happening to Jones. It might happen to Snyder and Ross. It's not going to happen to Jones. Um, I don't like. I don't believe it's an NFL issue. I've always believed it's a rich people issue. Uh, no accountability for way too many people. Uh, and I think when you get too much power in any field, whether it's the NFL or, or business or anywhere. Like these things happen and it's gross and it's awful. But for how long have we had a different set of rules for the average person and for, for, you know, rich and powerful people, it's, it's happened for forever. And this is just an extension of that to me. Number two, I hate talking about money and contracts in the NFL (laughs) because it doesn't mean anything. You don't really know the numbers. There really is no salary cap for the smart teams. But here we are. We knew it was going to happen. I am seeing so much chatter from multiple sources on Derek Carr and a long-term contract. We hit it on it yesterday about where some of the information was coming from on Derek Carr potentially getting a $35 million a year contract. Then there's others. I know uh, what Vinny was throwing out there. You know, I, I, honestly, I don't even know. And it's not like I didn't prep for the show. I, I can't keep track of the numbers. And then when you, you hear some of them, people are running with it, and they're like, well, he's not worth it. You don't even know if he's offered that, if they've really right. talked yet, if this is being fed by agents, if it's from Camp McDaniels or Camp Ziegler or Camp Parr. This is lunacy. It is. But I, but I think it's also, you know, when and we've I mean, we've talked about this forever on the show. Like when you read reports, try to figure out where those reports are coming from. Um, and that that doesn't mean that the reports are wrong or false. Like in ninety nine point nine 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 percent of cases, when there is a report out there from a credible media person, and this is sports and and everything, it's coming from someone. Now whether it's true or not, that can be up for debate. But it's not just made up. It's somebody on one side saying this is the case. So I think you can you can fairly read some of what is going on, and say this is coming from the, the team side, and, and you can read some of what, some of what else is going on, and saying this is coming from Carr and the agent side, and I think those things are pretty clear in this in, in most of these. Uh, but I think for here, you've got a case where Derek Carr wants a long term extension, whether it's here or somewhere else. I think that's fair. Oh, okay. Um, preferably here. But wants a long-term extension from somewhere that's thirty-five to forty million dollars, and I think the team wants other teams to believe that they really want him, whether they do or not. I'm not saying that means they don't want him, but even whether you do or don't want him long-term, it's in your best interest for other teams to believe that you do. Right. And so, I think all of those things are moving pieces, and they're all they can all be true. Like I've seen a lot of people saying, "Well, these are conflicting reports." They're really not. It's just coming from different sides. And so I, I fully believe that the Raiders want it to be known that they are committed to Derek Carr. They may or may not be, but they want people to believe they are. And I think the Carr side wants, wants it to be known they want a long-term extension, which is obvious and clear. Like, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what they should be doing. And at some point, we'll find out what's true by what's actually offered and by who and whether there is you know rumblings of trades and that sort of thing, 
But for right now, this is all just negotiation and talk and discussion, and uh, both sides are getting their their information out there. Adam, what would you do if you were running the club? I I would be resetting. I mean, I would see what's out there in, in terms of a potential trade. Um, but you know that I'm I'm always in the in the direction of if you don't have a team that can win this year, which I don't think the Raiders have a team that could win the Super Bowl next year, I'd be resetting. Now, I think there's fans that would say, hey, we have a team that could make the playoffs. We want to make the playoffs. Well, that's not really the goal. If that's your goal, then fine. I think you bring Carr back and try to make the playoffs. But to me, your, your goal is to try to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think that this construction of the roster right now will do that. You need a bunch of picks, and I think you need to, you know, take because people are like, well, there's not a quarterback this year. Who said there has to be? Build everything else up, get your quarterback in two years, and then have him under control for five years, and then you have a five-year window with him on his rookie deal where you can try to win something. Like that's what I would be doing. So then your answer is get draft capital for Derek Carr, and then you keep around Marcus Mariota, who's now on the open market. What do you do? I, frankly don't care who plays quarterback next year next year is not a goal four or five six years from down the road that's my goal three three years minimum but that's what i'm looking at i don't care who's played i'm i'm trying to build every other part of my team i'm trying to invest in the line have a really good offensive line going have some good receivers have some defensive players and then you draft a quarterback that you can drop in and be a guy that you have for five years under team control on a rookie deal cincinnati and and you you try to win that way because that that either because i've Damn. as we said it's either the same quarterback or a quarterback in his rookie deal that's how you win championships so bye-bye to ngakwe bye-bye for sure to casey hayward denzel perriman has got to go what veterans am i not mentioning and anyone who's a little bit longer in a tooth you're you're not here in adam hill's rebuild yeah, I'm not because I'm not inter- I don't really care about winning games right now. I, so I would. So Josh Jacobs is also gone. Dude, do I mean, keep, do you keep Waller? You know how I feel about running Waller? backs. You definitely know how I feel about running backs. So that's yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting to get a running back too. Do you keep Waller around, or do you strip it down and get draft capital for him as well? Uh, I think you could. I think you'd probably get something for him. I mean, I don't mind having. I don't mind having a couple star players that are going to at least keep the interest of fans. That's fine. Damn. But. I'm, I'm building for three, four, five years from now. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Is Denver really a good team with Aaron Rodgers? Those teams that I kind of play with about what he would look like in those jerseys, the Denver Broncos is probably fourth on that list to me, with Green Bay being one, Tennessee being two, for whatever reason, the Raiders decide to move on from Carr in Las Vegas and then the Denver Broncos. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Well, hot damn. Keyshawn, as if that was timed perfectly, shoves it right back at Adam Hill, who wants Carr traded. And a rebuild for the Raiders. Keyshawn says Rodgers to the Raiders would be a great spot. A great spot. Better than the Broncos, in fact. Pretty baffling. What do you mean pretty baffling? I mean, does anybody think, first of all, I would definitely be going to the NFC uh, if I were Rodgers. But 
I mean, does anybody think that this roster, besides Carr, is ready to win a Super Bowl? Yes. Okay. Okay. They lost to a team that made it to the Super Bowl and came within a couple of stops of winning the Super Bowl. They ain't that far off, Adam. And I know their point differential you know, would lead you to believe that things could flip around this year and they lose a lot of those close games. But if they make the right additions, they can close some of the gaps on the roster. Yes, they can make the playoffs with Derek Carr and an improved roster. And a couple of plays here or there, they can make a run to the Super Bowl. Yes. When you first started saying that, I thought you were kidding. I didn't know you were going to be serious about this. No, I'm um, serious. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I, I think that it was a bit of a fluke, as you mentioned, numbers wise. You go inside the numbers; it's a fluke that they were in the playoffs. Now they got there and they over, overcame unbelievable adversity to be able to do it. And I think everybody that was there, from Basaccia to Carr, everybody that was in that building, to rally them and make the playoffs was unbelievable. To take a team that wasn't very good, and with all that adversity. And somehow find a way to make the playoffs, but I, I think it's—I think we're fooling ourselves to think that wasn't an absolute ceiling. Yeah, I don't think it's an absolute ceiling. But you and I differ on—you know—glass half empty, me glass overflowing at times. That sounds ridiculous, but we just do. You—you you look at things very black and white in terms of chances to win, and I don't. I don't. Yeah. I think if you get on the dance floor, you have a chance. There are swing moments throughout the year, throughout games, and this team's close. I'm not saying they're a favorite to win the Super Bowl, but I also think, and I, I guess your response could be, well, then bet it. Maybe I will. I also think the Raiders at 40 or 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl is kind of crazy, and I think there's some value there. Yeah, and I saw, so, I mean, yeah, it, it you can, it, it's a fluke. The Bengals weren't very good this year either, and they, they found a way, and they almost found a way to win, and, that, and that's true. But it's not really sustainable. I don't see, in, as JVT was saying, like, I don't see them as like some. Hey, next year they should be right there. Like I, I don't think so. I, I think they'd have to make a lot of improvements to get there. Now they have the cap space because they have a quarterback on a rookie deal, which is which is fine. And the Raiders have some cap space too to improve. But as they're constructed now, I don't see that being the team. And and I know you know some of the early projections, which are you know it's way too early and it's silly. But uh, right now the Raiders look like on paper about the tenth best team in the AFC, which I I think is probably about right. We've got UNLV coming up tonight, 7.30 at Fresno State. So uh, stick around. Running Rebel warm-ups coming up at 7 o'clock. And then a, a massive day on Saturday, uh, Robert Smith retirement. Uh, Jersey retirement night is going on. It's actually a, a 5 o'clock start. It's brought to you by Finley Toyota. Lots of giveaways. Uh, free season tickets for a variety of Rebel sports. And one lucky student's going to win free tuition for a semester. The way they're doing this, I love it. President Whitfield's going to be there, Adam. Uh, with the T-shirt cannon, and he's just going to fire this stuff into the crowd. Now, the tuition, obviously, is not going to go towards the older folks. It's going to go into the student section. But giveaways using the cannon, I love it, I love it, I love it. Uh, best giveaway I've ever seen out of the cannon was at Utah State. They legitimately, legitimately were firing sandwiches into the crowd. Love it. I mean, you got to got to wrap them tight. Yeah, free tuition, a lot more in terms of value, kind of a – a move for the future, not a move of now. Well, so, depends where the sandwich is from. To a tuition over over sandwiches. Get your tickets. Five o'clock start. Colorado State's in town to take on your running rebels. UNLVtickets.com. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Webster driving on Jackson. Webster kicks the ball out to Nuga. Mike a three. It's good, Mike has got it going. He can dance all he wants uh -huh. if he's going to knock down shots like that. 
It's Cofield and Company, live on the road. Yeah, the Rebels definitely need help from both of those guys. Got to get some other scorers aside from Bryce Hamilton, who's had an awesome season. Mike Nuga with the bucket there, the pass from Justin Webster. Those guys are key. Want to remind you, we got the uh, Mountain West Conference Tournament coming up, 19th year. It's held in Vegas. We got all these conference tournaments. This is the biggest and the best, and it's been here for the longest time. You got 11 men's and women's programs uh, on both sides uh, competing over seven days, uh, 20 games to determine the conference champion and the auto bid to the big dance. And on the men's side, ridiculous competition. You got, uh, what, six teams inside of the top 65 in the net. Uh, one of the guys who has coached at multiple spots in the conference joins Cofield and company here on this Wednesday. Tim Miles from San Jose State is up. Coach, how you doing? Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Say hi to Adam Hill, who's uh, actually down on the strip getting ready to cover a hockey game. What's up, Coach? Well, what a finer place to cover a hockey game than the strip. Good, I know, enjoy right? it, at Adam. A, he's, at a, he's at a place called Tom's Urban, and I'm upstairs right now at the, uh, the Bulldogs Arena in Fresno. So let's talk about the conference as we get ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Still, you know, some work to be done by all of you guys. But uh, just your impression this year of the conference, elite talent, and then depth among the teams. Well, Steve, you know this conference as well as anybody, uh, and and it's great. I, I had the pleasure to be the Colorado State head coach from 2007 to 12. So Lon Kruger was the coach at UNLV. Uh, Steve Alford was at uh, New Mexico. Uh, Steve Fisher was at uh, um, uh, San Diego State. BYU was just leaving the league. Uh, TCU was going to lead the league, uh, but it was one of the top five conferences in the country. In fact, three years in a row, we put more teams in the NCAA tournament than the Pac-10, Pac-12 did. So things were really, really cooking. Uh, when I left, and I went to Nebraska for seven years and then broadcasting for two, came back, and the league's just as good as it was when I left. It, it, it really is phenomenal. You talked about those top five or six teams, and, and I'm just super impressed with what everybody's done. A lot of guys that have been in the league or been around the league are doing an outstanding job. Tim Miles is with us, head coach now at San Jose State. So talk about the build at San Jose. You did it at Colorado State. Uh, how tough is the build? Are there similarities to what you did at CSU? A little bit, but we're not as far along just as a, as a, a program structure. My wife was joking with me. She says, Tim, this isn't a rebuild. It's a build. And she's partly right. Um, uh, there's just some infrastructure things we need, just how we go out and raise money for our program, how we budget our stuff, how, how we take care of our student-athletes. So we've come a long way with and Marie Tuet and now Jeff Konya, our athletic director, uh, who hired me, and then our latest athletic director after Marie was let go. Not for hiring me, but for other reasons. <laughs> but um, uh, when you look at this, uh, you know, there's a, there's a strong commitment um, to athletics, you could see it, it's happening. You know, that we've won Mount West championships at San Jose State in football and women's tennis and some track stuff in the past year. Uh, but men's basketball has been, uh, has been bad. We've been no good. Uh, and, and this year, quite frankly, we're not any good, but for different reasons. But as we, as we look to build this, we're going to build it. We're going to get the right kind of kids in here. We've got a good coaching staff. Uh, we've got an, uh, a supportive administration to get this thing going in the right direction. And, you know, we've got a unique situation because we're in the middle of Silicon Valley. So we've got a land of milk and honey, right? A lot, a lot of cash 
hanging around, but there's also a lot to do. Uh, so fighting for people's attention to try and build a home court advantage to try and do those things is really important. And I'm excited to, to figure out how to get it done here. It's been a big challenge for me, but one I'm excited about. Hey Coach, I guess the, the question is, why has it been so difficult at San Jose? All the reasons you mentioned, I've always looked at it as kind of a you know a latent power that could be there if, if somebody was there, and I think you're the right person. But what, why has it been missing, and why did you see this as an opportunity that you could make this happen? Well, I wanted to be in the Mount West is why I'm here. And, and this was the best opportunity for me personally. And, um, and I've had other chances at different points in my career to come back to the Mount West. Chose not to, but I'm glad I took this one. I love the sunshine. It's a lot of fun. But it's new for me. It's a new challenge, and I think it's a way for us to put our blueprint uh, uh, in, in, you know, in writing again. Uh, we've been very fortunate. Uh, you know, Nico Medved was my assistant for five years. Craig Smith was my assistant for 11 years. Those are guys that have, you know, the last two reigning Mount West coaches of the year. They've done phenomenal jobs. I think the recipe works. Why hasn't San Jose done it right? Hard for me to say um, because I haven't been here uh, that long. But I do know that there's an eagerness uh, to build this into a Mount West uh, program that can compete for championships. I can't say that was always the case for years and years and years at San Jose State. I think there was probably some university conflict one way or another, whether, you know, internal stuff on, you know, what the role of athletics can be, which happens at a lot of universities. But I think there's great alignment now, and I think we're going in the right direction. And there's no better time to be the coach here than, a, than that time when you've got a supportive president, a supportive cabinet, and a supportive athletic director. Tim Miles with us, San Jose State. Head coach, uh, he'll be at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. His Spartans will be there as uh, both the men's and women's tournaments go down at the Thomas & Mack. UNLVTickets.com is where you can get all your tickets for the tourney that's going down March 6th to the 12th. Um, in terms of your personal matchups with these teams around the conference, who gave you the toughest time? Who were you impressed by the most? That's a great question. CSU I was really impressed with. I thought that they had – Great guard play, great physicality. I thought they were really good. We had a tough time with Fresno. Uh, it's just not a good matchup for us. But they, I think Fresno is a strong team. I think they're a team. They're not going to win the league, and I'm not sure they're going to make the NCAA tournament, but they can cause a lot of problems for teams. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, uh, but, but Boise, I can see why Boise's been tough. They've got six seniors. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Wyoming, I think, is, is – you know, got is the most fascinating team because I think Coach Linder is getting the most out of them. I think Hunter Maldonado and Graham Ike are terrific, first team all leaguers, and you got two guys like that. You're going to be good, but Maldonado's unique because not only can he hurt you with production, but he like he is a huge component to what they do. He makes those other guys so much better too with his uniqueness, and and he is the most fascinating guy in the league. I think. Um, and then, you know, uh, the league's good. I think, I think we've got a chance to put four teams in there, three for sure, and, and hopefully a fourth if things break right. I can see how things could go uh, awry and we not get four, but we're not getting two like last year. We're going to get three or four. You, uh, you face two, uh, two different UNLV lineups, and what I mean by that is I'm pretty sure second game Donovan Williams wasn't available. He had 20 uh, against you guys uh, in San Jose. What do you think of UNLV? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. Obviously, I know I'm 
speaking to a Vegas station. I wish I would have brought him up. I, I love Kevin Kruger, love his staff, Carlin Hartman, Tim Buckley, know those guys, think they do an outstanding job. Uh, you know, Donovan Williams got hurt during warm-ups of our game. And, That's right, and that was that like game. We're, we're playing Nevada back-to-back here. I heard Carlin Hartman, like, uh, you know, uh, upset in the in the hallway, and so one of their own players that kind of undercut him. And what, it was the most crazy uh, injury that way. So I thought Donovan, you know, I'd seen him earlier in the year. And, and Steve, I think this is interesting. You know, with in the old days, you got a Division One transfer, and rarely were they immediately eligible. I think maybe I had one um, um, uh, in 2010 in Travis Bush. Kevin Kruger might have been one of the first ones ever in, what, 2007 or 8 or 6 or 8, whatever it was. Um, and you never had a kid immediately eligible, right? You always had, you know, I had four all-league kids that all redshirted at um, at Colorado State, four more all-conference kids that were Division One transfers. They all sat out, all redshirted. Well, now I think what you saw in UNLV is who they were at the beginning when all these guys were immediately eligible and trying to figure out their roles, who's going to play where, how, you know, which guys are which guys, they weren't as good. You know, they, they weren't great early. And now I think they've been really salty. And you could see that, uh, I know, when we played them. And then, of course, in their win at Colorado State, which was their best win, I thought, so far. Um, and, and I was really, really impressed uh, with that. Bryce Hamilton is a load. Like, getting him stopped, I, I, I almost gave him the Kobe Bryant treatment. I said to my staff, we're just going to double him. And, and my staff literally talked me out of it. And I said, well, forget you guys, and I'm going zone. And we went zone. I don't know if you were covering that game or not, Steve, but we oh, just yeah. zoned him like the last 10 minutes of the game, and it helped us. Um, but he, like, I had no antidote for him. He was so tough. And Donovan didn't get to play that game again, but those two wings are, are terrific. And, and, and they're, they're incomplete, like, like the rest of us, which is why they're in the middle of the pack. And if you're incomplete in these good leagues, I remember being in the Big Ten the same way, and at the end of the um, Mount West, my last two years at Colorado State, like I felt like we had a little bit of everything. We had good size, good athleticism, good skill. We executed our stuff. We were going to be good. But if you weren't any one of those factors, you were going to get beat and maybe embarrassed. Like let's say you weren't as good physically or you weren't athletic enough. You would get embarrassed. And, and that's the way this, is league, this league is right now. Uh, we're a very incomplete team. We've got a rash of injuries, and first of all, we have a whole bunch of work to do to get this thing up and running. So there's certain nights we just don't compete well. Uh, but but I think what you've seen is with the immediately eligible transfer, getting back to my very original point, is teams are becoming better and better as the season wears on. I think you've seen that with the Rebs. And in closing, the, you know, the crazy thing with this tournament is I know you guys are a little beat up, but you shoot the three ball a lot. So if you have one of those games, all of a sudden, you know, one of those teams in the middle of the conference is in big trouble. And I'll tell you, if some of the teams are going to finish in the, you know, the one, two, three, four hole, if they match up against Nevada and Grant Shurfield is ready to go. I mean, that was a team that was expected to finish top four. They have a load of talent. Steve Alford's team could really ruin things for some of the top teams. Steve, you, you, you must have heard me. I said the exact words after last night's game on the bus. I'm like, they could ruin Mountain West. <laughs> I mean, they could, they could yep. make Mountain West a two-bid league, you know, because they're 11 and 13, so they're, it's not going to be quality. They have, oh, just unbelievable talent. Again, they, they dismissed the guy earlier in the year when they were struggling uh, and they weren't winning at all, and all of a sudden they became a different team. Then they got beat up with some injuries. That hurt them a little bit. 
some COVID start and stop. Uh, but they've got talent. They are a dangerous, dangerous team. No doubt. Uh, I got to tell you a funny story from a, a media standpoint because, uh, you know, I cover UNLV every game as a sideline reporter. So uh, I was at the game uh, at San Jose State and another reporter who hasn't really covered, uh, you know, the scene for that long saw you and Kevin Kruger have an extended conversation uh, right after the game. And the person was like, oh, man, something's going on there. Tim Miles, I think, is mad at, at Kevin Kruger. And then uh, Kruger was asked about it. And he's like, no, like we're, we're pretty close. Yeah, yeah, Kevin and I are good friends. Lon, Lon and Steve Fisher, when I was just starting out, I had been a Division One head coach for three years at North Dakota State, Division One independent. Hop into the Mountain West, right? Utah, BYU, you know, like and UNLV, New Mexico, standing say, what am I doing, right? And and those guys looked out for me, and and from there I started a friendship not only with those two gentlemen, but Kevin also. And Kevin and I have been friends. I think, in fact, if I remember right, I think I, I told him I apologized for calling a timeout that made it a full timeout, so it extended the game by three minutes. Uh, so it really it, it delayed their departure by three minutes getting back to UNLV. I think I apologized for that. Because we were down like 30 points, and it was like, what in the hell are we doing? Let's get out of here. And so it's all good. Um, I've got a tremendous respect for all those guys, and, uh, rarely, I have got into it with other coaches before, but usually they start it. So uh, Kevin would never start anything. No problems there. There you go. Coach, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Adam, have fun tonight. We'll see you guys. Thanks, there you go. We'll, we'll see Tim Miles when he's here in Vegas. March 6th to the 12th is the entirety of the tournament, both women and men's, and the men's kickoff on the Wednesday of that week. Is uh, Adam, you know, with the new format, Super important that uh, teams like UNLV or Fresno or Utah State make sure to get into that top five because if you're not in the top five, then you have to play Wednesday. There's three games, the opening round on the men's side. So, And winning four games to get the auto bid is pretty tough. Yeah, especially this year in this league. Good luck to you. Mount West Conference Tournament in town. It's uh, March 6th to the 12th. You can get your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You're right, Adam. You're uh, your guy, Coach Brad, uh, kind of resorting now to just begging for calls down the stretch here. Uh, Illinois was uh, down against Rutgers on the road, 60 to 37. They fought back into it. Very important update just for me. 64-54 now. 64-54. But I know you're, you know, your favorite guy is Coach Brad. I mean, in March, he'll be all right. I don't think you know what you're talking about anymore when it comes to college basketball. Uh, Rutgers is right, right back in the mix. I think only a game out if they hold on here. I wouldn't say that. No jinxes. They have to hit the road soon, so that could be but, lots of losses. They're actually, correct? they're actually not. You know what's funny? They're actually not favored in any of their final. No, I think it's one out of their final six games, which, by the way, if you look at the UNLV schedule, they have New Mexico at New Mexico, but the Lobos are getting a little more dangerous. They pulled the upset yesterday against Wyoming. Rebels are going to try to make a run here at 6-6, six and six, you know, to finish in fifth place, avoid that first day of play, but I believe I didn't check with any bookmakers the Rebels probably will be underdogs, and at least five of six are all six. So Rebels have an uphill climb. But the good news, we think 
We think it's not – we don't find out until right before the game when he gets attested, but we think Donovan Williams could be returning for this one. He is on the trip. That's all I know. That's good. Good news. So that would be a positive, no doubt about it. It would be a very big positive for the Rebels. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, tonight you want to watch the hockey game at Tom's Urban. This is our official ESPN Las Vegas viewing spot for the rest of the regular season. Tom's Urban right there in front of New York, New York. Greg Salerno is going to stick around from 6 to 8 to watch the game with you guys who are coming down there. If you're going down, stop in. Uh, Greg can sign you up for free BGK tickets for a future tilt. And I'm sure uh, Greg is well on his way to drinking about seven of these. You can try the signature drink at Tom's Urban, the Red Bull Party Starter, double dose of their Urban Margarita with hibiscus bomb with a full can of uh, Red Bull, the red edition. It looks phenomenal, Steve. You did not want to get hammered before you go work for the RJ? Well, you know, FCC, I don't want to do that. But, yeah, it looks looks tremendous. Look at you. Adam always knows the rules, even when it's like his ninth job. He knows the rules. You don't want to cross the FCC. They're listening all the time. And an Adam Hill slurring on the air would be a, a dead giveaway. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, you know who's not slurring? But my God, will you just retire, dude? I guess, did Al Michaels reveal to Eminem that he's not going to walk away from... Does Eminem have a scoop here? Or do we get some sort of uh, some spy audio like the uh, Beatles documentary? Well, we did get a little behind the scenes of a conversation with Eminem and Al Michaels. By the way, I don't know if people know this. There is a strong history. Eminem is obsessed with Al Michaels. Like Eminem has talked about Al Michaels a lot. Really? He loves him. Uh, he went up to him after the game, obviously performed at the Super Bowl, went up to him afterwards, and he just said, you were the highlight of the show, Mr. Michaels. And what? I was like, no, you were. Um, and Eminem, <laughs> said, Eminem said, I've said this before, but I often watch terrible games. He didn't use the word terrible. He used an S word. But he's like, I often watch terrible games just because you're the broadcaster. You make every game better. Uh, was really, really playing it up. And he said, I heard a rumor you might retire. I, I'm asking you not to. Please don't. Oh, wow. And Al Michaels' response was, well, I'll be somewhere. And this has kind of been hinted Ooh. at before. Uh, this was hinted at on a certain former NFL player show a couple weeks ago uh, where he was saying, you know what, maybe I'm not doing the same role I've been doing the past couple of years, but I'll probably be somewhere. So I believe there's a strong can- chance one of the you know, online broadcasters, one of the streaming services that has games now, may have Al Michaels around. Oh, wow. Yeah. My God. God love him. 77. I'm telling you, man. Real. He's my mom though. is like, my mother is six months older than Al Michaels, and she ain't doing play-by-play for anyone. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Was she when she was 40, though? I, mean, I don't think. I, I actually think. It's not like a skill she had that she lost. Yeah. Well, you know, I've never told the story. That's actually how I got into the business. You know that, right? Your mom was play-by-play? Uh, she was a long-time hockey play-by-play person on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> okay. Not quite. Pretty good hockey league there. No, there's there was no, there was no, there, there was yes hockey league on the Jersey Shore. There was no uh, nepotism in this uh, sort of ordinary career. Maybe it explains it. I need to be Al Michaels' son. I would have had it. Al was my dad. I would have had it. That'd have been nice. Uh, it might have helped. Might have helped a little bit. You know, might help just a little bit. One last time in the bag, Ari. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So are we official? This was another podcast deal. Man, they're breaking all the uh, the news. It looks like the Mannings are not only coming back for the Manning cast next year, but also for 2024, which 
in this story, who the hell did this story? It was also kind of a new outlet. Oh, it's a, well, it's, I mean, it's a powerful outlet now. Axios, um, I think, talked to both Peyton and Eli Manning. They're extending an extra year to 2024, which essentially means that, well, I mean, it doesn't guarantee it, that Peyton Manning is probably not going to be involved in the Broncos' ownership pitch here. Can't well, do both, right? Can't be a broadcaster and an owner. I think we're changing all the rules now. Who knows? I mean, we couldn't be owners and sportsbook operators before. Now we can. So. Well, that's a good point. Jack Eichel Knight. He'll be on the line with who, Adam? Who's, who's he on the line with? Uh, it looks like it'll probably be Patchetti and Dodonov. Patches and Dodonov and Jack Eichel. Boy, that's going to be fun tonight. That'll be a lot of fun. Follow not at Adam the Hill. Line, by the way. LVRJ on Twitter for all the updates, all the stories from the game.